question, who's ready for a new level of freedom in Christ today? Clap your hands if you're ready for a new level. Come on. My text today is in, Roman, is in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Let's stand for the word. That's my custom. We stand for so many other things. I feel like we can stand for God, if you're able, if you're able. I'm going to read out of a different translation this morning. This is the Passion Translation, uh, reading Romans chapter 5. This is an epistle, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome. Somebody say Rome. And we get to verse 18, and the Bible says this, In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness, somebody say perfect, that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available, catch that, available to all. Next verse. One man's disobedience opened the door. Somebody say open the door. For all, oh, that was... We got to get better at that. Come on. Somebody say, open the door. That's better. Come on. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door. Say, open the door. There we go. For many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. Two more verses. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, whatever sin, wherever sin increased, this is powerful, y'all, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. And just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness imparting eternal life through Jesus, our Lord and Messiah. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject, an open door. Come on, grab your neighbor and say, an open door. Come on, an open door. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. And you may be seated but on your way down. High five somebody and say, an open door, an open door. Come on, an open door, an open door. Today, I want to talk to you about grace. Somebody say grace. Somebody say grace. Here in Romans chapter 5, Paul is giving the church at Rome a deeper revelation and insight into the work of Jesus' sacrifice. I'm going I'm to teach you a little bit this morning, then we're going to get into some great revelations. So just stay with me. How many of you are ready for a deeper revelation this morning? Through Adam, through Adam, Sin entered the world, and the life of every person that would ever come after him. And because all sin leads to death, death entered the human race. Now let's stop right there for a second, because in the culture I grew up in, sin was categorized. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you had sex before marriage, you were going to hell. But it was okay to gossip. Come on. Come on. Can we go a little further? People love to preach against homosexuality, but people don't like to preach against divorce. That's the Bible, not Andrew. Come on, somebody. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Bible. 
We, we put sin in these levels, but here's the, the revelation this morning. All sin leads to death. All sin leads to death. All sin leads to death. And because of our sin, because y'all, you didn't have to be taught to sin. I didn't have to teach Grayson how to lie. He just started doing it. I didn't have to teach my kids how to hit each other. They just do it. <laughs> Why? It's in their, somebody say nature. It's in their nature to do it. It's in their nature to sin. So man, Adam and Eve, were forced to leave the presence of God and were never allowed back in, all because of the sin of one man. Somebody say one man. Now, stay with me for a second. Imagine this. Remember when you were in school and you behaved good all the time? I know none of you were bad in here. Come on. And while you're at school behaving and doing what you're supposed to do, Jared, this little snot-nosed punk starts acting a fool, eating erasers. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Throwing markers at the teacher writing cuss words on the bathroom stalls. Come on, snot-nosed punk. That's in the Bible. Look it up. Not really. But you're there behaving, and there's this kid who's acting a fool, and the teacher sometimes would get mad. And what would she do? She wouldn't just punish the one kid. Y'all know what I'm talking about? She, everybody. She punished the whole class. Because of one kid. Now, let's be honest here. You were the one kid. <laughs> Come on. You were the one kid. Just be honest. We all got punished because of one kid. And if we're honest in this room this morning, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with Adam because he failed all of us. But in reality, if the places were switched, I would have failed all of us too. I would have failed all of us too because it, let's go to verse 19 for a second. The Bible tells us that one man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. Adam's disobedience opened the door to a sinful nature to be imparted to each one of us. Now, check this out. It didn't take long either. For this sin nature to be rehashed. Because you would think, okay, Adam messed this up, so he's going to teach his kids, and it's going to be good for a while, right? No. Look at his son Cain. Yeah. Let's look at Cain for a second. Genesis 4, 6 through 7 says this. This is the Lord speaking to Cain. Why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? Can you imagine the Lord saying that to you? Verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, catch this, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door, at the door, eager to control you. I hope you're taking notes this morning, eager to control you, but you must subdue it. That's a kingdom word. You must have dominion over it and be its master. Cain's sin is waiting at the door. Why? It wants to control you. Can I tell you something this morning? Sin wants to take you out. Yeah. I said sin wants to take you out. Yeah. 
There's an old saying that says, sin wants to take you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Sin will fascinate you and then assassinate you. That was like a bazooka, come on. And this is why the devil tries so hard to get us hooked on stuff. Because the goal of sin is to control me. Oh, pastor, I would never. I'll never get hooked on drugs, pastor. No, 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 no. Who said hooked on drugs? I didn't say that. But that's all we think about. The devil's goal is to get you hooked into toxic relationships. Come on. Hooked into unhealthy patterns in your life. Hooked into pornography. Hooked into gossiping. Come on. How many of you know that Facebook is the gossip train? And it's so easy to get hooked. He wants to use anything he can to hook you, to take you out. So sin can control your life. But I have news for you this morning. But God. Somebody say, but God. But God. He saved us. Because we go back to verse 9. It says, so also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right to God and acceptable to Him. So catch this this morning. Adam opened the door to slavery, to sin, but Jesus opened the door to grace, favor, freedom, life, abundant life. Come on, joy, peace, restoration, healing, wholeness. You could go on and on. Adam opened the door to sinful nature to control you as a slave. But Jesus opened the door to free you as a son. Write that down if you're taking notes. Sin opened the door to enslave you. But Jesus broke the door down to make you a son and a daughter in Jesus. I dare you to give God some praise right now if you're thankful that you've been made a son and a daughter. Now, let's go deeper. If you're ready to go deeper, say bring it on. Come on. So we understand that through this one man, sin entered and salvation entered. It was Jesus and Adam. They called Jesus the second Adam because the first Adam couldn't do it, so God had to send a second Adam. Jesus came to save and to justify sons and daughters. Now, there's this term in theology called justification. Somebody say justification. This word justification, the the easiest way for me to tell you is just if I hadn't sinned to justify me like I never did it. Now, if we go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, the Bible says for our sake, for our sake, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This has been messing me up. It literally says that through Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. Not we have righteousness. We become righteousness. This has been wrecking me for weeks. Because we have all said this phrase before. I've been so guilty of saying it as a, pra- as a pastor and a preacher. And I've been doing a lot of repenting to the Lord this week. I've always said, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. 
That is horrible theology. But it's one of those t-shirts that we all had in 2007. Come on. Well, pastor, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. That is bad theology. It's not just incorrect. It's bad theology. Do we sin? Do we mess up? Oh, yeah. Come on. Are you perfect in this room? Because I would love to talk to you after service and make you the lead pastor of this church. Come on. I'm not perfect. I sin. I mess up. But I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. Because when we come into Christ, we become the righteousness of Jesus. I know this isn't shouty right now, but if you will get that in your heart, this will free you. I've been walking as your pastor in a new level of freedom this week in my walk with Christ. Because I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God. Come on, let's put it this way. When one of my kids takes something from their sibling, I don't call them a thief. Did you catch that? If Sadie takes something of Grayson, I don't go in there and say, Sadie, you're a thief. That's horrible parenting. They're not a thief. They're a son or a daughter. Come on. They're not a thief. They're a son or a daughter. In the kingdom... Righteousness is about position. Just because you sin doesn't make you that sin. I know this is messing with our theology this morning. Just because Grayson steals something once doesn't mean he's a thief. He's still my son. He's still my son. Now catch this. If if my kid went out and stole all of Walmart. (laughs) I mean, all of it. This doesn't make him any less of a son. Did you catch that? Yeah, he's acting like a thief now, but that's not who he was created to be. His initial calling is my son. The police The law would say your son is a thief. And by the law, yes, he would be a thief. But what would I do as a parent? I would come to my boy's defense. Because he's my son. Come on. Because he's my son. Catch this. 1 John 2 and 1. But if anyone does sin, we're all going to sin, so just get used to it. You're going to mess up every now and then. Come on. None of us are perfect. You need to strive to be like Jesus, but none of us are going to be perfect. If anyone does sin, this is what John tells us. We have an advocate, a defense with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate this morning. We have a defense. Why? Because Jesus paid my penalty. Oh, Jesus already paid the price for me not to be a thief, but to be a son. This is why Jesus could say to the thief on the cross, if you believe in me, you will see paradise. He was in the middle of being punished for what he did. 
But Jesus said, I've not made you to be a thief. I've made you to be a son. Now give three people a high five and say, I'm free this morning. Come on, I'm free. Come on, I'm free. Garrett and Joe, why don't you bring my, my sermon illustration up this morning? I'm all about these illustrations now. Come on. Just put it like right here for me. Here. You come right here. Yeah, there we go. That'll work. Y'all just stay up here with me. Let's have a little fun. What do you say about that? Now, people take this teaching. Actually, sit down for a minute. I'm not ready for you yet. <laughs> people take this teaching that we are learning about today and distort it. Okay, let's go to verse 20 of our text this morning. I hope you're taking notes because this is rich stuff this morning. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. So here's where it gets distorted. People take grace and instead of using it as a tool or the power of God in my life to abstain from sin, they use it as an excuse to sin. This, this wave of teaching is called hypergrace. Somebody say hypergrace. This is what it sounds like. Pastor, it's all good. It's all good, Pastor. I can sleep with my girlfriend. I can do whatever I want to do. I can get drunk as a skunk. It's fine because Jesus loves me. No. Yes, he loves you. Because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But when you encounter Jesus, no one who ever encountered Jesus left the same way they came. Come on. This is hyper grace. But notice what the text says this morning. Let's go back to that for a second. There was more than enough grace to triumph all the more. To triumph, look at your neighbor and say triumph. This is a word of victory, like the Bengals today over the Chiefs in Jesus' name. Come on, God's going to do it in Jesus' name. We're going to the Super Bowl in Jesus' name. Come on. And I'm going to shout, and, and y'all can sit there if you want to, but I'm going to shout. There was more than enough of God's grace to triumph. So maybe there's someone in this room today who's been saying, Pastor, I've been struggling and I've been trying to get out of my sin and I've been trying to get out of it. Grace wasn't given to you to stay in your sin. Come on. Grace was given to you that you might triumph over it. Come on. I wish you'd get with me this morning. Triumph over it. So if God's grace is supposed to give me a life of victory, let's look deeper at the word grace. Are you ready? The word grace in this text and the phrase abounded all the more. You ready for this? I hope I can pronounce this. Hooper er per is sui o. Got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. But notice, we were just talking about hyper grace. Notice the Greek word here. Hyper. Hyper was a prefix in the Greek that meant over or excess. It also meant to be in great excess, to be more, to be abundant, to be extreme. Here's my favorite part, to supply lavishly. 
And here's how it's used in our text today. But it's also used, it's only used one other time in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, and Paul said, I'm overflowing with joy. It's an overflowing grace. Somebody say an overflowing grace. So hyper grace, stay with me for a second, is biblical, but not in the way that the woke culture teaches it. Hyper grace is God. He wants you to have hyper grace. It's the Greek word for it. But it's not a grace that allows you to do whatever you want. It's an overflowing grace. Can I put it another way to you in this room? There's no sin too great for this grace. I said there's no sin too great for this grace. Now, this grace, according to our text today, gives me an open door. Somebody's saying an open door. It gives me an open door to everything that God has for me in my life. It gives me an open door to freedom. Some of y'all are going to leave so free today, and I can't wait. I'm going to have to slouch to get under this thing because I'm a giant. Come on. It gives me an open door to joy. Some of y'all don't have no joy in your life. And it's because you're not living in God's grace. Some of you all, man, I'm going to make somebody mad, are trying so hard to find a spouse. I'm looking at everybody so nobody thinks I'm talking about them. That you are missing out on relationship with the Father. Preach, Pastor Andrew, because you're so busy trying to open the door for yourself. Come on. When there is grace, there's an open door to freedom. There's an open door to healing. Now listen, y'all. I believe in counseling. I do. I've sent people to counseling. I've told them, listen, I'm going to help you. Pastor Faye and I are going to help you, but you need counseling too. But counseling is not a replacement for the healing that only God can give. Because, get this, counseling shows you your problems. It goes deep into the root. Only Jesus can change the DNA of the root. Come on, somebody. So this door of grace is a door of healing. It's not only an open door of healing, it's an open door of restoration. There's been some stuff that's went on in the last couple years with people in our church, and I didn't think they would make it through, but God restored them. Why? They said, I'm going to walk in the door of God's grace. Come on, somebody. This is not only an open door of healing, it's an open door of destiny. It's a door that I walk through and God says, I've called you to do this. I've set you aside to do this. I've anointed you to do this. I set you apart. You don't think you're capable. You don't think it's in you. But I opened the door, baby, and you're going to do it because my grace is on you. Just helping somebody today. An open door. Stay with me. An open door to kingdom purpose.
an open door to his presence. Now catch this. If Jesus opened the door, sin opened the door first. But if Jesus opened the door, now come here, Garrett, come here, Joe. Y'all going to be sin. Sin one, sin two. Come on. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to be Jesus. You're going to be sin, and you're going to be the believer. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come here, Joe. Just tug on him. I think I've done this same sermon illustration like a million times in my life, but it just works. Come on, somebody. If this is an open door, catch this. If God's grace is an open door, it's also a closed door. Hold up. Because if I'm walking into something, if I'm walking into something, it means I'm walking out of something else. Come on, catch that. If I'm walking into God's grace, it means I'm walking out of something else. Come on, now let's go back for a second. This is why sin tries to control you. Because you have, let's just be honest here, encounter with God, late night pornography. Encounter with God, man, I'm free this time. I'm going to make it through this time. I'm going to make it through toxic relationship. Man, I feel the anointing on me today. Come on, encounter with God. I had an encounter where I wrestled with the Lord like Jacob. He changed my name and he changed how I walk. But the same old garbage keeps pulling me back in there. But listen today, I want to tell somebody in this room today that there is an open door to God's grace. That if we will just walk through it, every single thing that has been plaguing you and holding you behind cannot hold you back anymore. Listen, it's the grace of God. I know you've been trying to get out of this mess yourself, but you never will. It will only be as grace. It will only be as power. I wish you'd get with me this morning. It will only be as grace. It's an open door, baby. Come on, it's an open door. It's an invitation where God is saying, come through my presence, come through my grace, and I'll shut the door on all the junk you've been dealing with. Give God a praise right there if you are thankful. I'm walking out of depression. I'm walking out of bitterness. I'm walking out of addiction. I'm walking out of pain and suffering. And I'm walking into breakthrough. I'm walking into his favor. I'm walking into an overflowing grace. I'm walking into an overflowing grace. You still with me in the house? And maybe today you would say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm trying. But I'm struggling. Put up Revelation for me, Matt. I'm struggling. Joe, come back up here. I'm struggling. And I'm trying to get free. But I can't. I can't. Then Jesus writes this letter to the church at Philadelphia. Go to verse 7. This is the one who has the key of David. When he opens... What he opens, no one can close. Oh, God spoke this to me so strong this week. What God opens, 
no sin can close. Come on. And what he closes, no one can open. Verse 8, I know all the things you do. And I, this is Jesus talking to the church of Philadelphia, have opened a door for you that no one can close. Y'all catch this. Not even the devil can close this door. I said not even the devil can close this door. You have little strength. You've ob- yet you obeyed my word and you did not deny me. Can I tell somebody this morning, I know you're struggling. I know you're trying. I know you're trying to push through the door through the grace of God with everything within you. And you say, Pastor, I can't do it. You will do it because God opened the door. You will make it through. You will have breakthrough because Jesus said, I placed before you an open door and no devil in hell, no demonic power, no evil spirit, no witch, no warlock can close it because Jesus said, I have opened the door I've opened the door I've opened the door man I feel this so strong you can't open the door yourself boo boo you're quiet on me today you can't open the door yourself but thankfully Jesus not only opened the door but he said I am the door I am the door, and no one, somebody say no one, can close it. No one can close it. Your ex can't close it, y'all. No devil can close it. Your family can't close it. And for some of you, stuff has been trying to take you back into old doors with old junk. But today, there is freedom in this house. I said, there is freedom in this house today. And you may be struggling and you may have little strength, but Jesus said, I opened the door for you. You don't have to open your own door. You don't have to push your way through. Can I? Listen, y'all. We have to stop striving. I said, we have to stop striving and walk in the grace that God has set forth for us. Even if you got to crawl through that door, you crawl through, buttercup. (laughs) Even if you make it without a bunch of stuff in your life, get, get through that door. If you lose all your friends to go through the door, get through it. He said, I set before you an open door. He's been wrecking me all week this week. If you guys will, you know what? Let's leave it there. I have an idea. Here in a moment, some of you are going to walk through the door. You're going to walk through the door. I know it's all home folk today. But I believe God is speaking to our hearts and freeing us. This is a year of peace, not of striving. Did you hear me? This is a year of peace, not of striving. We're not going to strive anymore. I, I heard this revelation this week 
that has messed me up. And I wasn't going to share it. I was going to process it more. But I shared it with a couple of my spiritual sons. I feel led to share it. I don't know about you. But I've always looked at the Father. He's God. He's sovereign. But I've looked at him as a father of judgment. That if I mess up, he don't love me as much anymore. If I don't quite get it right, he's disappointed in me. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus didn't come to save us from the Father. Jesus didn't come to save us from the wrath of his Father. That's not in the gospel. Yes, when we experience salvation, God sets us aside and we don't have to experience what happens when there's sin in our life. But that's not why Jesus came. What did he say? He said, I came to show you the Father. I came to reveal to you a love and a grace that you've never seen before. Am I going to leave you in your sin? No. You know the story where there's a woman caught in adultery? The Bible says they're going to stone her. They had every legal right to according to the law. But notice what Jesus says. He writes something in the same. We don't know what it is. But today I would like to think that he wrote, I set before you an open door. I came to show you the Father, whatever it was. Notice what he says. Where are your accusers? They were gone. Because Jesus said, if you don't have any sin, you can cast the first stone. And they knew. But notice what he says after. He says, now go and sin no more. This freedom that's in Jesus, this grace this beloved identity, this union. You're going to hear that word a lot this year, the word union. Somebody say union. This union with Christ is not to save me from the wrath of an angry father. No. It's to call back prodigal sons into open arms. I've set before you an open door. Stand with me all across this house. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and if you would, just lift those hands toward heaven. Jesus, you came to show us the Father. You came to show us the Father. And today, Lord, I don't have to walk in my depression. I don't have to walk in my struggle. I don't have to walk in my addiction. I can be free because you set before me an open door. Here's what I want to do this morning. This is bold. Look at me for a moment. This is bold.
But I believe that freedom requires bold moves. Is there anybody in the house? I was going to have these guys move this. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, invite people to walk through the door as a sign of freedom in their life. So here's what I want to do. If you're watching online, I want you to participate in this too if you feel like doing this. Just go to a doorway and walk through that door. Does this save you? No. Does this break chains off your life? No. But it's a sign of what God wants to do in your life. So right now, if that's you, if you'd say, Pastor, I don't care if you're a staff member. I don't care if you're a part of our dream team. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years. But you would say, Pastor, I need to walk through the door. It doesn't mean you're in sin. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means I'm struggling with who I am in Christ and I need some freedom. I want you to come walk through this door. Come on. Come on. There, yeah, 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 yeah. There's